from a seventh story window throwing parties in a 10 by 7 cell it's astounding the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help yeah I am waving while I drown don't bother swimming out to save me I will only drag you down I'll try to use your body as a life raft cause if there's room enough for one there must be room enough for two I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset Yes, it is me. Welcome to Thursday Night with me, your host, Matt Wright, live on Muddy Waters Media and with the Writer's Block. I hope everybody's having a fantastic Thursday and having a fantastic week because I know I am. I got to hang out with, uh, you know, my best friend and brother for the first half of the week. And... The only thing that is terrible about this week is that super fan Sarah Andreg is not here as much as she usually is, so I don't get a chance to hang out with her as much. And I miss her dearly, and I love her with all of my heart. Um, but that is not going to slow me down on this excellent episode. First and foremost, allow me to thank all of you wonderful people for tuning in, spending every Thursday here with me on the writer's block. And they find people at SiestaCava.com. SiestaCava.com. For those of you who have not tried the Libertarian Kool-Aid yet, go to SiestaCava.com and get your hands on some of this hippie moonshine because it is fantastic. To them and to all of you out there in the muddied verse, I say, Bula Vinaka. This episode is brought to you by the wonderful people, well, the wonderful person, really, at Personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you are in the Florida region of the United States and you have found yourself personally injured by somebody who's not named me, uh, go to chrislentreynoldslaw.com and he will get you so much money because that is how good of an attorney he is. He will punish that insurance company to make sure that you walk out of there a billionaire. 
This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle-related caucus anywhere in the multiverse. If you want to become a member of the Waffle House Caucus, all you have to do is go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store and pick up a waffle Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button today. If you want to be a voting member, pick yourself up a nice little Waffle House Caucus shirt because we have those. And, uh, you know, you probably want to pick those up before we get a cease and desist. This episode is also brought by the, to you by the most aptly named company to ever bring you this show, Mudwater. For anybody thinking about getting off of the coffee and going for something that has one-seventh of the caffeine, tastes like it fell off the back of a truck, and uh, is much more difficult to make, go with Mudwater. It has masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. And I highly, highly recommend putting some honey in it because, whoo, but when you put honey in it, it changes the game and it is delicious. If you are thinking about making that switch, go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud. This episode is also brought to you by the Gravy King. And this episode is brought to you by Jonathan Reels for Congress. Uh, he is run. Yeah. Jonathan reels is running for Congress and he needs about $350 for outreach and petitioning. If you can go to www.jonathan.cash, you can donate and he can outreach and petition, and then he can get his path to victory through our communities. This episode is brought to you by the Royal green by Jack Casey the author of The Royal Green and Silver Throne, and I have excellent news for everybody. His third book, Crowned by Gold, will be coming out next Tuesday. So the next time that there's a Muddied Waters of Freedom episode, Jack Casey's new book will be there. I think. And if, if, for whatever reason, that book is not available next Tuesday... You can always call this guy, and he will sue Jack Casey for you. So, call Jack, or so, pick up, uh, go to theroyalgreen.com to pick up any of Jack Casey's books, and next week, you should be able to purchase the third book, Crowned by Gold. This episode is brought to you by Cumberland Cannabis Co. If you want wonderful, beautiful, legal Tennessee CBD, go to CumberlandCannabisCo.com and pick up some of the perfect Tennessee CBD today. This episode is brought to you by Adderpan. This episode is definitely brought to you by Adderpan. Uh, Are you looking for a game to haunt your dreams? Look no further than Adderpan, the premier release from Irving Games. Adderpan is a first-person, five-night style game featuring creepy characters, jump scares galore, and even a few Easter eggs hidden amongst the game files themselves. Join Dolly and her haunted imaginary friends as you play the role of a school school security guard trying to survive the night shift. Armed with cameras and a flashlight, can you make it until morning before they get a piece of you? Expansions are already in progress by the developer and will be available for free as they are released and is currently available for Windows PC. You can find Adderpan and upcoming expansions on Steam for the low, low price of only five, only five dollars, people. I am not a gamer and I don't know what Steam is, but it's only five bucks. So go out and purchase this like today. And this episode is brought to you by Joe Soloski. If you are in the Pennsylvania region of the United States and you are planning on voting in the upcoming gubernatorial election in 2022, 
Vote for this man. He is the key to Pennsylvania success. JoeSoloski.com. Now, today, today I am very excited. Um, Jack Casey's going to be so mad at me because that book is definitely not written yet. Um, but today I'm very excited to have on the guest uh, that I have on. He is currently running for Congress in District 7, which is apparently all of Western Minnesota. Uh, he is a 20-year Army vet, traveled the world immensely. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Travis Bull Johnson. Oops, I forgot to hit that button, Travis. That, that is my bad. Still? I'm a real short interview if only one of us can talk. <laughs> Be very one, be very one-sided, concise. Nobody would get confused. It would just be. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> how so? How is everything going out there in uh, in Western Minnesota? Oh, not too bad. I mean, we uh, we stay pretty busy. Nice. So, uh, go ahead. Uh, while Minnesota was going through some turmoil over the last year, did Western Minnesota get any of that, or was that kind of relegated to the eastern and the south side we got a completely different form of the of turmoil uh basically with the uh, the lockdowns okay i mean we're at western minnesota wasn't near the hot spot of covid that the twin cities were uh but yet we had to run by the same rules uh a lot of our small businesses ended up getting shut down a lot of our restaurants got shut down we're right across the uh, the river from North Dakota. All their restaurants stayed open, so it's kind of it, it kind of really pissed off a lot of the people on this side of the border. Going, hey, there's just a river between us. Why is that side safe and this one's not? Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and it, it it's actually one of the best things that could happen for my, me and my campaign. I mean, because it reminds people how important liberty is. So, uh, it, and that's really been a push. You've had a lot of grassroots liberty organizations pop up uh and we're starting to get some of the backings from some of those for our campaign uh which is which is great i mean it's just it's something that these are organizations that would normally back republicans but they're not really thrilled with our our current republican representative well so i'm an option that, i mean and it's and yeah it's no, a perfect storm right no that that is absolutely the uh the the perfect storm for a libertarian running in an area that has been kind of deflated because of COVID and because of the lockdowns, especially when they saw what was going on in uh, in the Dakotas and not being able to emulate that where they are. Um, so before we get into your campaign and stuff, uh, I like to usually start out the Minnesota thing I just had to know about, though. Um, <laughs> but um, with... Uh, how is it that you became a libertarian? Like you're running as a libertarian, as you said. Um, how is it that you got to the libertarian party? I've always been a small government, maximum freedom type of person. Uh, but normally from previously, I was a Republican, old school Republican, I guess you could say. Sure. When they still believed in the Constitution. small government, maximum freedom. Uh we haven't seen that type of, of, of Republican Party in, in quite some time. Uh, 2016 came around, and I looked at my choices from the main party, main parties, and in good conscience, I couldn't vote for either one of them. I mean, I just, I couldn't do it. 
so I looked at my other options and we, we, and we looked at the Libertarian Party and I've, I've always had a little bit of interest in the Libertarian Party. I just needed that excuse to jump. Right. Uh, and that was my excuse. I mean, the fact that with, with Donald Trump running and, and the whole uh, Republican Party had kind of fallen in line there, it, it just I, I didn't foresee him being a small government liberty type of person. Uh, Are you so telling me you did not see the New York Democrat billionaire who was saying he was going to drain the swamp? You didn't see him as a small government kind of guy, huh? No, I just I just couldn't I just couldn't find it, man. I just I looked, but I just couldn't see it. It's, it's weird. Don't know, don't know how you didn't see that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how I, I came over to the uh, to the party. Uh, and I mean, and since then I've I'm, I've looked the libertarian route. I mean, the uh, last couple elections here, I mean, Joe was really our only option in the libertarian party because right. we really haven't had anybody running Congress or even in 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 our in our uh, smaller offices. So now I also I grew up a Republican. I came from the Republican Party. Um, during the during the Obama administration is when I really made the jump over. Um, but I, um, yeah, I grew up in the Republicans and a lot of what they stood for didn't make sense to me. A lot of it had to do with, uh, the war on drugs. I didn't understand why we were continuing to go after the, you know, why we were going after what, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to punish a person for having a good time on a Saturday night. You know, I don't feel that those people need to be inflicted with years of debt and, uh, prison just because, one Saturday night, they went out and got a little bit of blow or got, you know, MDMA or whatever, um, which tells you a lot about who I am as a person. Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I'd, I've always been kind of like that anti seatbelt law kind of guy. And the only reason I really wear one now is to one, make my girlfriend happy. And two, my car dings at me if I don't, because I've never learned which, <laughs> which thing, which, which, which fuse to pull. Right. Which fuse to pull. Um, so I, I understand where you're coming from. The Republican Party definitely started leaving me probably before I was born and uh, just continued to do so by getting more and more authoritarian over time. Um, we got Somebody asked, uh, how do you feel about Jeremy Munson? I don't know much about Munson. Okay. Uh, Eric, Eric Mortensen is the man to watch, however, here in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, give you an idea with the uh in in our state legislator legislative they've had a uh the republicans had a breakoff group of five republicans who are considered themselves the new republicans uh but only one of them eric mortensen started to uh to raise hell about transparency and stuff like that and basically even the new republicans kicked him to the side so he's kind of the lone ranger and he is he is very much a a liberty uh, liberty-minded guy. Okay. There's a couple other things I still need to get with him on what he believes as far as uh, as some of the libertarian policies. Uh, but but he's he's a guy who who I'm excited about. I mean, just uh, he's not a libertarian or anything, but he seems to have that libertarian mindset. Okay. Uh, I met him a few. I've met him a few times, and, and I've been impressed by him. Now that said, I mean. I'm, not overly impressed by most of the other Republicans in our state legislature <laughs> who uh, kind of have been bending over backwards to tyrant Timmy, the governor. 
Yeah. I'm, so, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Florida. Uh, you know, Rick DeSantis is the governor. And while I agree with a lot of the things that DeSantis does, I disagree with just, just as many of them. Um, and a lot of the Republican legislature, I don't agree with at all. Like, I think that they're terrible. Uh, I will say that I do believe Florida is the most free state in the nation, which is part of the reason I am still here. Um, and <laughs> and that is uh, one of the greatest things that is that comes from living in Florida. But most of the Republican legislators that are there are only continuing to vote the way that they do because it gets them reelected. It's not because they actually believe the stuff. Um, if they did believe the stuff, they would move on forward to the next level, but they don't think they would win at the next level, believing what they say they believe here. Um, just my own personal, Oh, did I say Rick DeSantis, Ron DeSantis? (laughs) Um, now uh, I did remember one thing about uh, Munson. Yeah. That, uh, my attention that uh, I had to take a quick look at just to make sure I was I was right. He actually uh, proposed a bill that would cede most of Western Minnesota over to South Dakota. Okay, that explains the other question that was in here <laughs> that I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, he uh, put that bill forward saying, hey, basically, this state is so polarized. You have the the urban environment, you have the rural environment, and we're never going to get along. We might as well move move Western Minnesota over to people who think like they do. Yeah. So he said, uh, the, he said, how do you feel about Jeremy Munson and his proposal for Minnesota and the Dakotas? That's what they came in as they came in as two, two different messages. And I thought you had a proposal for, uh, Minnesota and the Dakotas. Um, I I thought that, but I had had to go back and double check before I stuck my foot in the mouth. That's fair. No, I get it. I just called my governor, Rick DeSantis and his name's definitely not Rick. Um, (laughs) uh, so, um, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about what you have planned for your run, uh, and what you would want to see changed in Congress. Um, now just based on what your website says, um, one of the things is you want to end regulation. Now, what are we talking about here when you say end regulation? Because everybody kind of has a well, different and, definition. And, and, and let's let's uh, keep keep in mind when I'm saying end or shrink regulation, it's a step by step process. It's not a tomorrow we're not going to be regulated anymore. <laughs> that that won't fly. People right. people that will scare people. They'll run for the borders. Okay, and it's just uh, but it's one step at a time. I mean, uh, one of the issues that we look at here, and I brought this up a few times, is you have uh, a proposal from uh, Thomas Massey called the Prime Act. But the Prime Act, again, we're a rural era. We're a lot of small farmers. We're a lot of li- low livestock people. We can't sell our animals, our, our meat from an animal to an individual unless it goes through a USDA processor, butcher. Right. There's not very many of them around. Uh, the, what the Prime Act would do is it would allow us to go through a custom butcher and then still sell our cuts to individuals. Right now, say if I have a cow, somebody wants to buy beef from me, they have to buy a portion of that cow, whether it's a half a cow, quarter cow, or a full cow. I sell them a live animal. Then they work out with the butcher. That I, dro- I drop it off at the butcher. They're technically getting it butchered themselves at the butcher. I'm not doing it. That's the only way to legally do it. Uh, yeah, so this like- is something we've been... Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I have some friends in Tennessee that do this. They, they will buy what I call stock in cows or stock in livestock, I guess. And like, they'll, 
yeah, I own a quarter of a cow. And once it's ready, I'm going to have it murdered and then I'm going to eat it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, Well, that's the only way to get around the regulation right now. Okay. Uh, That's one of those regulations I'd like to see, like to see changed or or adapted. I mean, uh, the government's too big. We all know that. I mean, the only way to shrink it is going to be to remove their responsibilities block by block by block. Correct. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why when I when I talk to some of my uh, the union members here, yeah, what do you feel about unions? Hey, for me to get done what I want to get done, I need strong private unions. Like, why? Well, because if I want to limit OSHA and all those guys coming in, I need strong unions to make sure the workers stay safe. I mean, you can't just say we're going to cut out OSHA. You have to have a plan. You have to have something else to make sure these people these people continue to be safe. I mean, right. you, that, that's the thing with with uh, I think when people get scared about libertarians is they think we're just going to end everything the way it is and leave everybody to fend for themselves in total anarchy. Uh, no offense against the anarchists in the group, but. <laughs> And that so scares people. <laughs> it, it does. And, and a lot of that has to do with uh, messaging that started back in the 1960s of what people thought anarchy was and that it was this lawless yep. wasteland that was going to turn into like Mad Max. Mad Max hadn't come out yet, but, you know, Barbarella, yep. I guess. I don't know. Those um, shows don't help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they assume that that's what anarchy is. But anarchy is literally just voluntarily helping each other out without the aid yep. of government, without being forced at gunpoint. Forced to. Right, without being forced at gunpoint to pay for anything of anybody else's, but instead being able to choose where you are helping people out. And the thing is, is we're going to be able to get people along to that, but it's going to take time. It's yes. not going to happen overnight. No. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. We're, we're looking at regulations one at a time. We're looking at addressing anything that hurts our small businesses. Part of the issues we have in this country right now is the big businesses help write their own regulations that they can afford to, to, uh, to, to live with, but the small producers can't. I mean, it, it limits their competition. I mean, that's, right. that's one of the things we want to get in there and, and start shaking things up a little bit. Uh, make sure we put people back on an even playing field. Uh, because the small guys, we just don't have the economies of scale. I mean, it's nothing for, 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 for the big four meat products to say, yes, we need everything USDA inspected. Because they put so much meat through there, each inspector looks at each piece like three or four seconds, and then the next one's in front of them. Okay. And, and, yeah, and what's really happening in that three to four seconds? Like, how much can possibly be inspected? Well, and, and that's our, our argument with the uh, with the Prime Act. My processor is going to look at my animal for a couple hours, cutting it up. If there's anything wrong with that thing, he's going to know it. He's going to see it because it's also his name on there when it leaves that shop. Right. I mean, it's got my name on it, but it's his butcher shop. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm putting my money on that piece of meat being safer than anything I get from a big processing plant. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because anytime, anytime that the government's involved, and this goes, this is going to dovetail so nicely. Uh, but this goes, <laughs> but this right, goes, man, I'm trying. <laughs> but uh, it, that goes anywhere from. You know the the meat the meat industry to the tobacco industry to the vaping industry to the medical industry to whatever. There is so much bureaucracy now that that is where you get so much of the financial waste that you see from the trillions that are being spent on these things. Um, 
one of the biggest things that I have an issue with is the education in this country. Um, and most of the issues that we have with education is, in my mind, that we spend so much on the bureaucrats and, and all of the people at the top levels that way before we even get to the teachers, mm-hmm. they are wasting and sucking so much of the funding down that yep. it's just... It is a huge, as Ross Perot would say, you know, the, it's a huge sucking sound. Except you're not getting it from Mexico. You're getting it from the teachers unions and from, uh, you're getting it from the teachers unions and you're getting it from, um, you know, the Department of Education. Um, and I know that you kind of have like ideas on education. So let's, uh, let's get into those a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I, and I have to bring up uh, Congressman Massey once again. I get uh, it. I, get, I, because, I respect that man. I respect that he, man a lot. He actually introduced a bill this year to eliminate the Department of Education. Uh, that is a message that has went on that has been taken real well in my district. Uh, and it's also one of the issues that uh, I, I kind of crashed up a, a conservative party a while back where the current uh, representative was speaking or, or asking questions. And one of the gentlemen in the audience asked her, hey, what do you want? What are you doing to help return control of our education system? at a local level and of course her thing was well i've only been in office a couple months we're trying to figure that out whereas i raised my hand and go yeah didn't thomas massey put in a put forward a bill to eliminate the department of education and you saw her her chief of staff <laughs> okay just, it was, it was, it just, was hilarious just, okay <laughs> just like oh god no don't bring yeah. this up just oh <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was hilarious. I mean, but and that's a message that goes over real well in this district. That's the they're tired of of being led from people who don't understand Western Minnesota, whether it's in D.C. or whether it's in the Twin Cities. I mean, it's just they're they're disconnected from the way people live here and and val in their values. Um, so I mean, and that's that's one of the the big things I was pushing my my campaign is I mean. Everybody I talked to was just so frustrated. I mean, and and I'll give you a little bit of history here. Okay. We had a uh, a 15 term Democrat uh, congressman here, uh, Colin Peterson. Okay. Yeah, I, I, rem- Colin, I remember. Yeah, Colin Peterson was the chairman of the Ag Committee, but he had a D behind his name. Uh, remember, I was telling you about our, our our beloved governor who locked everything down. Right. Also a Democrat. Yeah, a lot of that transfers over. I mean. Colin Peterson was pro-life and he was, he was pro-gun. I mean, he was a lot of what the people here, here would look for. Uh, but what happened is the Republicans came back and said, okay, we need to run somebody against him. And they took a former lieutenant governor who's from closer to the city. She's been in politics here her whole life. She's never had a job other than politics that I've been able to find. And President Trump endorsed her and they threw God's loads of money into her campaign. Uh, now, and she ended up upsetting Colin Peterson. Now, the catch is, President Trump took this district 65% of the vote. She only took 53%. So even the people who would follow Trump anywhere, even though he endorsed her, they wouldn't vote for her. Right. You still had a 12% disparity there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and it equals up to being 20% of the actual vote. Who, who would rather vote for a Democrat than vote for her uh, because she was everything that Trump was against. She was the front monster. She was 
establishment. She is, she's just not, I mean, she's, she's a lawyer too close to the cities. Okay. Again, it's nothing that the people here that resonates with the people here. Uh, when she comes to speak to people here, it's only to her backers. It's not to the general public. Uh, and, and then she's got her chief of staff there as a moderator most of the time to control the questions that she gets. Uh, so, people so, would call, I mean, uh, grassroots people called her and said, hey, how did you vote on Liz Cheney? Her officer's response was, well, that was a private vote. We don't need to tell you. That's what they told the grassroots supporters. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Do you see why I think we have a chance of being the first libertarian elected to Congress here? Okay. That's what okay. we're dealing with. Sorry. Um, that, that blows my mind. I, I was going to make a joke how uh, she was like uh, Joe Biden needing the list of people to call on, but Joe Biden needs it for different reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's just because he can't remember the names. You know, as usual, I got the names of people I'm supposed to call on here. Um, Jim, how about you? Uh, but um, yeah, that that's insane. And that is one of the biggest issues that you see with Anybody in the Republicans, um, anybody that's in those partisan po political parties, yep. they refuse to answer. They, they don't want to answer and they don't believe in transparency at all. Um, and that is one of the things I would like to believe that libertarians as a whole would be much more open to transparency. Um, whether or not all libertarians believe in transparency the way that I feel that we should. Um, I think that anybody that would be elected to Congress or to the Senate or to even, you know, their state houses or city councils would be fully open to transparency. Um, because that is one of the things that we have been crying out about for years. And, and go ahead, please. And, and uh, that's some of the things I've been talking to, telling my supporters. I mean, nobody should wonder where I am on any policy. You ask me what my, my version with my, opinion is i'm going to tell you and maybe what you like and maybe what you don't like but you always know where i stand right okay that's and i also follow that up with saying okay y'all say y'all want something different can you handle something different can you handle somebody who will be up here and tell and not be a part of the echo chamber okay who's not gonna lick their finger and see which way the wind's blowing before they answer a question i mean we're gonna i'm gonna tell you where i'm at and i'll be honest with it and that's all I can do. And what I found is I'm getting people from all over the political spectrum supporting me. I'm getting the far left. I mean, he said, you know what? I don't agree with anything you say, but I think you're a good guy and I can live with that. I mean, I, I can, it, it's something that I think is the best deal I'm going to be able to get in a district where president Trump took 65% of the vote. Right. Okay. You're going to give me a seat at the table. You're going to listen to me. That's better I can ask for from anybody else. Uh, um, but, but it's like, as you were saying, though, with the uh, with the, the, the way they answer questions, I mean, the give you an, this other little fact from this last election. Sure, please. The PACs. The PACs paid $14 million in advertising in this district. $13 million was attack ads. <laughs> That's not, that. that is the least surprising thing you could have told me there. Like, if, 13 it, reasons not, not to vote for them and one reason to vote for our guy. Right. And that, so a few years ago, back in 2014, 
I think, 2014. They had a special election here in Pinellas County where I am. And um, it was between David Jolly and Alex Sink. Uh, David Jolly was the Republican. Alex Sink was the uh, Democrat. And uh, Lucas Overby was the Libertarian that was running. And um, they spent, for the special election, something like, God, it was, it, I think it was $20 million. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the regular election was six months later. And they were spending all of that money for the special. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? How do you have this much money to just be like, yes, we are going to focus all of this on this one seat. And then they just, the Democrats ended up losing closely. It was really close. Um, and they just didn't run anybody in November. They were just like, no, we already spent $20 million. Yep. Like, I'm not, <laughs> we're not doing it. But most of what the ads, most of what it was spent on were attack ads about the other person. And yep. the, the libertarian that was running was just sitting there in the middle. Like, I just want to have a seat. You know, I just want to have a, I just want to sit down and have a conversation. Well, that's why we scare them. Yeah. Because if we become players, if we take one seat in Congress, all of a sudden those attack ads, they can't guarantee if they talk you out of voting for that guy that they're going to get your vote. Right. It gives people an option, a, a viable option that right now they keep on saying, Libertarians can't win. Libertarians can't win. Well, all it takes is for us to win that first seat. And, and you know what about Minnesota? We put Jesse Ventura in the freaking governor's house. Imagine, okay? God damn it. We did it once. We'll freaking do it again. That is, that, and that is absolutely true about Minnesota. They went, I don't even know who he was running against, but they went, that's who we want. We want yeah, Jesse he, Ventura. Uh, something nor- I mean, he, he was a uh, St. Paul mayor. Okay. Uh, Normal last name, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so so people here will think outside the will think outside that that norm. Um, Tim McMaster is in the comments, and he said that's a fine looking logo on your shirt. Uh, I wanted to <laughs> let you know that he is <laughs> throwing credit to where it's due on the shirt. Um, no, he's not. Did he make I, I it? I stole it from Tim. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I assumed uh, we, you either we designed it or you bit, took it. But yeah, we had talked about it a little bit, but yeah, that's <laughs> that was something he had, and then I kind of adjust, adjusted a little bit, and we had talked about it a little bit. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I, I loved him. Okay, I mean, he, no. he's a good guy. I'm really disappointed that he lost his election. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to have seen what he could do in, in, out there. He, he says that the logo looks better on you anyway. Um, so, no, no I, you know, us, us bearded guys need to stick together, Tim. Uh, yeah, you guys are definitely uh, a dying breed. No, you're not. You're everywhere. Every, <laughs> people that look like me are the dying breed. You see much less of this anywhere. Well, the, ca- the catch is, and I'm going to tell you a hint on this, look at it. If it's nice and groomed, yeah, don't pay those guys any attention. <laughs> the, 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 this, this rough stuff, okay, that's the real freaking deal. Okay, right. that's... That basically says, you know, we're too busy to worry about freaking shaving. So we're not going to spend an hour on man, manscaping. So I shave Saturday. Just so I don't spend a lot of time upkeeping what I got going on here. Well, you know what? After 20 years in the military, when I retired, I said, damn it, I am not shaving again. I get that. I understand that. Okay. <laughs> I've trimmed it a couple times since then. But it, yeah, it's no, we're not doing this baby face thing again. 
Yeah, I, I unfortunately, like, I am both fortunately and unfortunately uh, just blessed with this. Um, fortunately, because I don't have to shave. I don't really have to worry about it. It's just kind of, this is what I'm going to look like forever. And that's, I'm totally fine with that. Unfortunately, because oftentimes uh, I'll get comments like what uh, Nulik Trump from Alaska uh, just said, and she said that she has more facial hair than me. And, you know. You know, you know who she is, right? The Eskimo Libertarian? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I do. Yeah. She yeah. Had, y'all are y'all are a teamwork a team now, aren't yeah, she you? Has, and she, Noel. Yeah. She 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 and Noel have the uh, Cajun Libertarian Eskimo Libertarian from Bayous to Igloos on Muddy Waters Media every yep. Sunday at three o'clock, Eastern. Yeah, um, like the way that played together that way. <laughs> that worked out so incredibly well. Do you, do I know who she is? No. Who? Um. <laughs> so, another thing that you mentioned on uh on your website is uh, property rights. Um. So what is it that you want to see done in the U.S. Congress dealing with property? Well, one of my big issues on property rights, and, I, and I've got a lot of local issues, but those are local. But I've got a huge issue with eminent domain. Okay? Just the eminent domain, even in the Constitution, says that you, they justify it for public use. But how much is public use is actually commercial commercial use now? I mean, there's a... There's a, a bad area in the city guess what we're gonna condemn it we're gonna destroy it and then we're gonna sell it to this other guy who's gonna build a mall there and make money off of it right. meanwhile you just kicked all these people out of their homes you've and, got the uh, the pipelines who are who they're basically coming back and saying hey we're going to eminent domain these these this area so we can run this pipeline well they're tearing up farmers fields they're encroaching on the uh the uh reservations i mean it's that's what I'm talking about with property rights, okay? I mean, and to me, that should be a simple fix. You go in there and you define public use. Right. Public use means for transportation, for government-owned things, nothing for the commercial side, okay? That's just, that's being abused. It just, it, it's a hot point for me. <laughs> no, I, and I understand, I, I completely understand because, like, the um, the pipeline that Biden just shut down, um a lot of people are like on the side of the pipeline. I have never been for this pipeline for that exact reason. You are stealing people's land from them and saying, no, we're, we're going to take it uh, in the name of Keystone. Um, we're going to take it in the name of Keystone. So, and you don't really have a choice. And people are like, well, no, uh, that's my land. And they're like, no, eminent domain. And then they say, well, you know, it's not for public use. And they go, yes, it is because this will, the, the oil that will be used is for public use. Like the, Terry. And, and, and for and for Keystone, on top of that, they were taking reservation land. Yes, for. very true. And if they they were violating the treaties. Yes, and the the way that I see it is that the government has taken uh, public use in the same way that Biden has taken infrastructure to include anything. If there mm-hmm. is anything that can be used commercially, you know, like for a mall, for a pipeline, for whatever, uh, and people the public will use what's be going into it. It doesn't matter that it's for commercial use or not. Yep. It is for public. They're like, no, that's public use. That's public use. We're not talking about for a park or a road or, you know, a school or anything like that. Right. We are talking about, not that I'm a fan of any of the things that I just mentioned, by the way, I just want to point that, I want to point that out to everybody really quick. Um, but, but, but it's more in line with the Constitution, the intention. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's how, you know, Biden now, everything is infrastructure. It's, 
It's not just, you know, the roads and the railways and whatever. Oh, and, and what aggravates me is, I mean, there's another one, uh, line three here in Minnesota that's, that's going on right now. Uh, but it's not even an American company. It's a Canadian oil company. And most of that oil's already been pre-sold, is being sold to China. So, I mean, it's absolutely got no benefits for us except for the tax benefits that the counties are bringing in. Because the counties are bringing in big money on this because they're taxing them for the value to the company. Right. So, actually, these, these uh, pipelines have huge support from local governments because that's where they're getting their big tax dollars for, for everything. And... Most of most of what you're seeing, yeah, and most of what you're seeing in the in these situations, the reason infrastructure now includes uh, apparently everything in America and public uses anything that wants to be built that the government will then get tax dollars from is because lobbyists uh, will sit there and talk with uh, different members of Congress and say, yep. yeah, if if you say this is for public use, think of all the tax dollars, think of all the tax dollars, and if the Democrats or Republicans would ever oppose one of these things by saying, this isn't for public use, we aren't going to do it. Instead, the Democrats will say, oh, Keystone's bad for the environment. No, that's not why you're really doing it. Like, or that might be why you're really doing it, actually. But the reason you're not fighting it a little harder is because you know how much tax dollars is coming in or how much you are going to get in kickbacks later on yep. for issues that come from it. Um, or Republicans are like, no, we don't want to do this because... W- of reasons. I actually can't think of the time that Republicans were like, no eminent domain here. They're always kind of quick to grab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, property rights is one of the most important things to me as a libertarian. Um, and I think that you, the individual extends to your property. Um, so anytime that the government is taking your property, that is an issue for me. Um, I mean, it doesn't even have to be taking it. I mean, give you an example. My, we got 40 acres here that I started my farm on when we retired. I went to build a barn on it and I wanted the barn near the front of the property. So, cause we're in Minnesota. I mean, we've got to bring in hay for the, for the winter. I didn't want to have to go through a bunch of snow to get hay in or out. Right. They have, they have a set aside and right away of 150 feet from the hot, from the road here. Uh, a dirt road. They, and, and when I went into the county and say, why do you need this much room? After him and Hans for 20 or 30 minutes, he came back. Well, we might want to expand that road one day. It's a freaking dirt road. 150 feet from the middle on on both sides that you cannot use to build anything on. Right. I mean, my land, you're taxing me on it, but I, but I can't use it the way I want to. It, I mean, it's not even the crap from homeowners associations. This is the, that's, the yeah, county. Right. That's the the, uh, the, the building and the licensing area. I actually, yep. so I had some friends back in Virginia when I lived there and they lived on multiple acres and the government said, Hey, we're gonna, uh, we would like to eminent domain your land. And they were like, no, cause it's ours. And they did it anyway for, mm-hmm. for them they didn't really care. They were just trying to hold out for a higher price because the land that the government took was completely unusable, 100% (laughs) unusable. And they were getting taxed on it. You couldn't even walk through it. Uh, it was just, it was just part of it. Um, it, you know, it was all hilly and there was like this tiny stream that ran through it, but like there were no fish there or anything like that. It was just, 
it was just completely unusable. And the government ended up taking it to uh, expand a road, and they got paid for it. But they were like, yeah, we figured we'd see if they would pay us more. They didn't. <laughs> I'm like, of course not. Why would they? They're the government. No. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to negotiate. So, uh, one, so you were a 20-year vet. Uh, you retired as a – oh, man, I thought I put this in here. Staff sergeant? Sergeant first class. Sergeant first class. Uh, yeah, well, and listed grade seven, basically. Ha- happy uh, Army birthday week! Uh, Thanks, sir. My one of my uh, battle buddies that I had when I was in is in. He's just outside of Minneapolis, and he has been there since I've known him, actually. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, great great guy. Uh, been to the been to the state a few times to visit him, and uh, absolutely love Minneapolis. Uh, I need to check out the rest of it. I only went there to go see him, and we didn't really. <laughs> travel outside of that circle. Um, but being that you were in the military, uh, I know that you have some, uh, policy issues that you want to address on how to take care of the vets. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is probably my number two plank in my platform. Uh, it's something that's very important to me. It's very important for people in my area. I mean, people don't realize how many of our service members come from rural America. We lose 22 vets a day to right. suicide. We have since 1999. That number hasn't changed. Almost everybody I speak to knows one of the 22 or knows somebody who knows one of the 22. Okay, that's that's how big this issue is here. Uh, we can't keep doing the same shit over and over again expecting different results. I mean, you look, it, it frustrates me to no end because you look at every person running for Congress, every freaking one of them has a blurb on there about taking care of vets, but not a one of them has done one thing outside the box or anything different to change. Uh, my proposal, it's way outside the box. Okay. What I want to do is I want to take all these Medicare funds from every service member on active duty and say, no, we're not giving that to Medicare. We're going to put that to a separate fund. That's going to go for insurance for mental health insurance for every soldier, sailor, Marine, when they get out. Okay, from, from the day they get out, they're going to have basically the equivalent of a, what we call TRICARE for Life. TRICARE for Life is what the, uh, the health insurance plan retirees right. get when they get out. Uh, I, ha- I, have I, num- I, I have numerous. So uh, a few years ago, I did work with this group that I'm, I'm, I think they're now defunct, but they were called Operation Regroup. Um, and they were their entire uh, platform. Uh, was to help the vets who committed suicide every day. And they wanted to get that number down because uh, they, I think their number was higher than 22, but like 26 or 28. Um, not say, I'm not, and I'm not saying your 22 is wrong. I'm just trying to remember from back then. Yeah. Um, and no matter how many, it's too many. It is definitely too many. And that number needs to go down. And one of the things that they wanted to do was figure out a way to go through was to teach people how to go through the vet, um, through the VA, in order to uh, learn how to get the care that you need. Um, and one of the things that I always proposed to them uh, was what if instead of having to go through TRICARE, you could get your own private insurance and be able to go to the doctors that you wanted to go to, but it would still be you know covered. Would Well, and that's what a lot of the TRICARE for Life will do. Okay. I mean, it, it, is, it basically... You don't, you're not going through the VA. You're going through private providers. It is basically just a third-party uh, 
a person who administers administers the the, the uh, insurance program is what it is. So yeah, they are still going through private care providers. They are not going. They wouldn't be going through the VA. They wouldn't be going through those long waiting times. Uh, yeah, because that that is one of the issues that I've definitely seen uh, from my friends who are vets. Because uh, I wasn't in long enough to be considered one. Because um, my campaign manager's in the same boat. So yeah, she got hurt at basic and just never completed. I, I was. They found out really early on that I don't like taking instructions um, <laughs> or orders. And uh, it, we, we had a mutual separation. We, had, we, we mutually decided that it wasn't going to work. Failure uh, yeah, to adapt is what I believe they <laughs> normally call it. <laughs> yeah, I, I may have heard that phrase a few times. Um, <laughs> but, um, but many of my friends have, you know, they go to the vet or they go to the VA and they have, they have just issues like they, I've heard horror stories of the way that they are treated and how they never get the help that they need. And a lot of that here in Pinellas County, where the VA is, uh, I know that a number of vets will get upset at how they're being treated at the VA. And there's this pond that's right across the street from it. And they will go there and become one of the 22. Uh, They will just go there and do it. And it's heartbreaking that nobody is looking into the VA to be like, what is happening here that is causing this issue? Well, and, and this is step one of my plan. Uh, step two would be later as, as when a soldier is separating, going ahead and, and annotating all their, their injuries or whatever in their medical record, and then putting that on that same TRICARE for Life program so that eventually you've eliminated the VA and the bureaucracy of it. Yes, Definitely. Now, one of the things that I would personally like to see, um, as far as the military goes, uh, also kind of going into a little bit on foreign policy, is if we weren't sending them all over the world to fight in these endless wars where they're having to see you know, the, the horrors of war and the traumatic, the traumatic stuff that one would experience there, um, especially for causes that aren't really in the U.S.'s best interest, except for, I hate saying oil, but, you know, it's oil. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, poppy, I guess, um, instead of sending them over there to protect poppy fields or to, you know, try to keep oil prices down or whatever, you know, stop doing this. Stop sending the, these people all across the, all across the globe. And then you cut down on this issue massively. The best thing you can do for a combat veteran is stop creating them. Yes. That is, I mean, that's, that's, that is that's a much better way to put what I was trying to say. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the thing. The best way, the best thing you can do for a combat vet is to stop reading. Right. I mean, we just, and I've had the, the opportunity to be all, have been stationed throughout the world, uh, including in the U.S. Embassy. I mean, and I've seen how a lot of this, this stuff works, and I've seen, seen what happens to people. I mean, I've, I've. I've seen the ones who I, I was my first tour or my second tour, excuse me, into Iraq. Um, I was medevaced out for a heart issue, but uh, I had a guy, a, first, a second lieutenant on the bus with me coming from, from uh, Walter Reed to the bird to come back to the States. He, his, both of his feet were blown off in an IED. Oh, Jesus. And, and this guy is so high on morphine. Okay. He's over here going, 
that's your asses. I'm going to be back here in a year with titanium feet kicking your doors down, baby. Okay. That was just, just that high on, on, uh, on, on morphine. On but, morphine. I mean, I'm looking around this bus and I'm looking around the, 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 the medic site in, uh, in, uh, LSA Anaconda in Iraq where a bunch of guys were just there and they got stuck in an ambush. And there's this general going around asking everybody what happened to him. And I'm over here going, please, dude, don't come over here. I just got a bad heart. These guys are all been shot at and blown up and stuff like that. And my heart's just not beating in the right rhythm. Please don't come <laughs> over here. Uh, but, I mean, I went with some. I mean, we, we, were, we all traveled together to, to Walter Reed in Germany. And then a lot of us went, came back over to stateside after that. I mean, we had a guy code on in the in the bird on the way middle of the ocean. I mean, it's just it's he made it through, but I mean, it's it's just one of those situations where you never forget it. I mean, and that's where I think our politicians aren't don't really know the cost. Right. They look at the cost in dollar amounts right now. Well, guess what? Your dollar amounts for this war last for the next thirty or forty years as you're taking care of all these veterans. Okay, you need to add that into your thought process. You got to add in the thought process of taking care of their families if they don't come home. Okay, this is if we're going to if we're going to send our our troops to war, it has to be true no shit in defense of this country, not in, in defense of what might be, what might have been. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of old saying from Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly and carry a big ass freaking stick. Okay, I, I believe that was paraphrased. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think a little bit. Okay? I don't think he said it that way. Get <laughs> the, the point on it. <laughs> um, uh, right, and keep you it know, home and keep it strong, and people leave us alone. Right, and I know that back in back in the sixties and the seventies, uh, a lot of a lot of the people uh, like JFK would speak strongly, carry a big stick, even though he was kind of the, the, the crux of Vietnam and then LBJ ramped it up. Um, but that was, I'm not going to speak softly. I'm just going to get a big stick and start swinging it. And Nixon, <laughs> Nixon was kind of on the same page until he realized that they weren't going to win. And then he said, okay, yeah. well now I'm just going to pull everybody out, but I'm still going to speak, uh, speak strongly. And then Carter was, I'm going to speak softly and not have a stick. And Reagan kind of went back to speak uh speak strongly but carry a big stick um and he uh he he did better i guess but he was also trading things illegally um yeah i mean we're we're not gonna talk about iran contra but uh right yeah i was like he didn't really get us into two like he went after he he didn't didn't get us directly involved he just he just fought a lot of proxy wars. Right. Yeah, and exactly. He, and he put American troops on the line. Um, yeah, that's a valid point. Um, he's like, no, we're not sending our guys. We're going to put their guys in there, and it's all going to be yeah. fine. Um, and then we ended up with Bush uh, Jr. Well, I mean, Bush Sr. was just like, yeah, let's go in there, you know. And yeah. Bush Jr. was like, you know, we need to do a preemptive strike here because Iraq's going to – God, they got them WMDs. Um, and – Cheney. <laughs> Cheney, that that terrible human being, um, as is his daughter. Um, but so so yeah, uh I have you spent some time in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um now I don't know 
if you have any opinions on the border. But what are, like what are your thoughts just on the border of South Korea and Korea? Like where? That's that's a dangerous place, man. I, I, I'll say this much. I mean, okay. you can literally walk the border and you're looking at artillery pieces on the other side of the border pointing to you. If if that war ever goes off, Seoul no longer exists. Right. That that okay. was kind of what I that's, assumed. That's the truth of the matter is, I mean, Seoul's like 22 miles from the border. Okay. If that war ever goes off, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's no longer going to exist. It, it is a, it's a dangerous place. I mean, people right. don't realize how, I mean, number of years ago I was there and uh, I, I will say it, people don't realize it, but we were probably hours away from them taking everybody who is a, a non-combatant and said, get out of the country. It was that close. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. People here don't realize that. Okay. That's, I mean, it, it was, it, it was way too close. Uh, I mean, and it's just because they keep on doing all these saber rattling and stuff like this. And it's only one error away from the balloon going up and that thing, that kicking off over there. Uh, what to do with it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, technically we're still at war with, them. we're just under ceasefire. Right. That's fair. That's, okay, yeah. Yeah, we are technically still at war. Congress has never revoked that war authorization. We are at a ceasefire. <laughs> so, I'll be, uh, completely switching gears here, um, I, what you just said reminded me of something that happened this morning. Um, Thomas Massey, uh, they voted, I think he, insti- he in- introduced the bill and they voted to end the uh, author- authorization of military force uh, in Iraq. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's time. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's well past. I was going to say, I feel like, I feel my, like my, time my, my opinion on this has changed over time as I've grown as, as, as I've matured. Okay. Uh, my thoughts on it initially is we created, we went in there, we took out the, the legal government. We created chaos. We have a responsibility to try to stabilize that. We made the mess. We need to clean it up. After 20 years, guess what? We fulfilled our responsibility. It's time to come home. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way about Afghanistan. Okay. I mean, we we went in there. We removed the, the, the Taliban. We created chaos. Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm one of these guys. I believe we have responsibilities. Okay. If we create a mess... I hate spending money. I hate spend, We have to try to clean it up. We, we need to avoid the messes in the first freaking place. But when we do create them, we've got a responsibility to, to clean them up. But guess what? After 20 years, we fulfilled that responsibility. We, It's time to, to bring everybody home. It's time to, to close that checkbook. Because the people don't realize, and I'm a, and I'm a former finance soldier, okay? You have this, this budget for the, the military has this budget every year that's $700 billion or something like that. Well, that doesn't include the money they spend in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's a separate, that's a separate fund that comes from this authorization they talk about. Okay. So this is a, which is also why they don't want to close it because it's an open checkbook. It's an open checkbook. They just get yeah. to spend it. Okay. As long as they can figure out some way to say it's, a, it's part of this war effort. 
then then they they get to skate to skate around some of the the rules. Right. And, and Congress hasn't closed that checkbook yet, which to me is Congress is the Constitution only gave Congress a few freaking jobs. Okay, one of which is 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 the checkbook. They haven't passed a budget in how long? Oh, it's God. always a continuing authorization. Okay, I mean, they have completely completely avoided their responsibility in Congress. I mean, that's that's one of my big issues with them. You got one freaking job, do it. I don't, you know, I'm it's always, it's always, well, this resolution, we have to do this resolution for such and such week, or we have to do, why is that a priority? How is that a priority over the budget or balancing a budget? I can't even, so like, I could not remember the last time that they, pa- that they passed a budget or they balanced a budget and I Googled it and <laughs> go ahead. Nineties. Couldn't even tell you. All it tells you is about like I was like uh, last pass last budget passed in Congress, and it just talks about them trying to pass a budget now. Like yeah. that's how long <laughs> it, it doesn't even show up. It doesn't even show up. Yeah, it, it doesn't even show up in the Google algorithm. Google don't even know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's if I did a deeper dive, I could probably find it really quick. But I was like, oh, I wonder when that was. Nope, I can't find that on one quick Google search. So, um, well. Well, I, I am really glad that you uh, that you took the time to come on my show today. I'm very I'm very excited to see what happens with your campaign. Uh, I, if you can become the first elected libertarian in Congress, I will be just unbelievably excited. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, all it takes is one. It does. Once it, that first domino falls and people sees that's a legitimate option. Yes. I mean, and, and, and I th- again, I think we've got a, a real good opportunity here. Uh, I mean, Spike's even coming down for our uh, our kickoff event in that's, September. Yeah, that's right. He's. I was going to say he's he's coming out. Uh, yeah, September. Um, yep. I know. I I know he's very excited about it. I, I was hanging out with him earlier this week, and we were talking, and he. I said that uh, I was having you on the show, and he said, "Oh, I can't wait to go out there and uh, hang out with him." Um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm very excited to see what happens with this campaign. Uh, as I tell anybody that comes on the show uh, that's running for office, if you need anything from Muddied Waters, please feel free to reach out. Uh, you can reach out to me or Spike, or now you, you can reach out to Cajun or Eskimo, and uh, they will do anything that they can to help you because oh, yeah. they are contractually obligated. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they're good people. I mean, I, I've... Nalik was talking about running for office at one time, so right. she picked my brain a little bit one day about that. And, right. uh, and I would Cajun's I, actually the one who put me in touch with Brian, so I've got they they've both been huge helps to me. No, I and I would love to see uh, Nalik run for anything, really, just because I think that she I think she would do fantastic uh, running for anything uh, up there in Alaska. Her charisma, her charisma would be huge. It's huge, big time. I mean, okay, she's just big she's time. likable, and you know that's. At the end of the day, people vote for you because they like you. Right. I mean, same reason why you buy a car from somebody. You don't, you don't buy it because he's giving you the best deal. You buy it from him because that's the guy you like and you trust. Very true. Even if they are going to screw you over, you know they're going to screw you over. But at least I'm going to get screwed over by somebody I like. Okay. <laughs> I used to sell cars for one time. Okay. That's, that's, right. that's fair. Yeah. I, yeah but, uh, 
I, I would like not I to be screwed over by anybody, but at the same time, I understand that that's just not going to happen. So I'd much rather be by somebody that I like because I figure they're going to screw me a little less. You know what? And 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 I would tell, and I'd look at somebody when they were buying a car for me, and I'd say, "Am I going to make?" And because they, they'd ask me, "How are you going to make money off of this?" Of course, I'm going to make money off of this. Why would I be doing it for free? But I'm not going to make all my money off of you. I'm going to make a little bit off of you. I'm going to make a little bit off this next guy. And and we're gonna go on with life. Right. I, you're not my. You're not paying. For, you're not paying for a vacation for me. And you know what? People were people appreciated that kind of honesty. Honesty. I mean, like, yeah, I'm gonna make a couple hundred dollars on you. This is what I do for a living. But yeah, I, I'm not making all my money off of you. Like, fair enough. Where do I sign? Right. Okay. <laughs> and and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about transparency. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you are open and honest, and you and you're telling people, yeah, this is where this is coming from. This is where this is going. They are going to be much more open and receptive to the things you are saying, as opposed to somebody who's just like, Oh, you don't, don't you worry your pretty little head about that. Don't no, That's, that's not on you. (laughs) Don't, don't you. That's not for a brain like yours. That's for brains that are over here. People aren't stupid. I mean, people, we need to stop treating them that way. Right. People, Okay, and, and that's what our politicians do now. They treat everybody like they're like they're an idiot or they're living in a cave. I mean, well, politicians. On the flip side, and flip side is when you are open with them, then now, now they have a little bit of a. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> so politicians do have a little bit of an argument because they keep getting reelected and doing the things that they do. So they're like, people are stupid. Well, they keep reelecting us, so kind of. Yeah, you know what it is. What's the one thing that that scares people most of all in the world? Change. Exactly. Right. Okay, so when they get in there, they're not going to change them because they're scared of change. Okay, at least I know what this idiot does. Right. <laughs> and that's to a certain extent. That's why when you've got somebody who's already been there six or eight years, you know, he, he's got a history. I know what this guy's <laughs> going to do. Yes, he's going to screw me over, but I, I know how he's going to screw me over. Right. The, or the devil. Or you he'll know. say. I mean, the uh, one of the most famous politicians in Louisiana history, where I'm originally from, is a guy named Huey P. Long. He was the governor. He was the only man Franklin Delano Roosevelt feared politically-wise. Right. And he would come up and flat out say, yes, I'm a crook, but I'm a crook for the people of Louisiana. And he got elected. <laughs> he got re-elected. And got, <laughs> yeah, a, a lot. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. And um, so... What I want you to do now is take your time and uh, pitch everything, pitch your website, pitch, uh, mm-hmm. pitch everything that you can tell people where to donate, where they can go to like follow you online mm-hmm. and uh, just get them to. Uh... Sorry, uh, somebody that actually lives in Minnesota says uh, bull don't count us libertarian. Don't count us libertarians in the cities. We live different lifestyles, but we have very similar interests. Uh, I'd be proud to support you as much as I can, even though he's in CD five and he bets the rest of the LPMN would have your back. Break a leg. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. I mean, we, uh, we have the same fights or inner squabbles as a lot of, a lot of, uh, libertarian party state states do. I mean, and it's, and this is something that we, we, we've been looking at lately as, I don't live in the cities. I live in, I live out in the rural areas. So, I mean, I've got a different priority than they. Sure. 
No, but absolutely. To, but it does, and, and they've got a different priority than I have, but it doesn't make either priority any less important. No. Okay, and, and that's where I see a lot of mistakes going on in, in other states' Libertarian Party is it doesn't have to be one or the other. Okay, there, the emphasis doesn't have to be on one versus this. I mean, there's enough bandwidth in the party to, to handle both of them and still be in line with, with our principles. Uh, in, now, uh, right? I, I was going to say, yeah, I, com- I completely agree. Whether or not you live in the cities or you live in the rural areas or, you know, and whether you live in a town like me or, I mean, St. Pete's considered a big city, but it's not. It's a town. Uh, I know everybody. So it can't be a big city, um, but you can't, no matter which one you live in, your priorities are going to be different. The people in Orlando, New York, uh, Orlando, New York, uh, Dallas, Austin, whatever, the, like the, the actual huge cities, they should be able to run their cities the way that they want to. And yep. the people here in St. Pete should be able to run it the way that they want to. And the people in the rural areas like Western Minnesota should be able to run it the way that they want to. Uh- and that I should... mean, uh, I, I don't envy some of these uh, our, our libertarian brothers in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. No. The issues they're having with the police force, I mean, is just, it's terrible. I mean, they, but at the same time, in my area in rural Minnesota, we know all the cops. We know all the police. They're our neighbors, okay? So it's harder for people here to, un- to understand that uh, to, to a certain extent. Uh because again, most of the cops in, in these cities, they don't, they're not from those communities they're policing. Okay, they don't know everybody. They don't, I mean, they come in and and it's kind of like Sylvester Stallone and it was Judge Dredd. I am the law. I am the law. Okay, I, mean, I am the law. Okay, I mean, that's that's kind of how, how their mindset is. And it's just, uh, but I tell you what, I mean, I, I really like our state party. We've got a lot of a lot of diverse diversity here in, uh, in our party, and uh, I, I'm proud to be a member of the the state party here in Minnesota. Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm looking to see where it goes. I mean, there's uh, we have we have a guy named Nate Atkins who's running for mayor in Minneapolis St. Paul, right. and uh, I think the Honey Badger, the Honey Badger, he's, gonna, he's the Honey Badger. Yeah, I think uh, he's going to do a do a great job in, in his campaign there uh, because everybody they they know they need change there. And and, uh, and he he's going to be a, a force for it. Uh, we've got a great opportunity to grow our party out here because um, I mean most people I talk to they're libertarians they just don't know it yet. And that, okay, that, that that's, that's most what of the people. It's true. That's most of the people that I talk to as well. They they just don't know it, and their biggest issue is I don't want to vote for a libertarian because they can't win. And I'm like they right. can't win because you think that. Yeah, I mean all it takes is 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 to, to show to to break that break that down to right. get those one or two on the national stage. Uh, and, and then it gets even more interesting because it's such a tightly divided Congress. Can you imagine if one or two libertarians get in there and nobody has a majority? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay. I can tell by your smile. You can, you can. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I've had dirty dreams about it, but you can infer what you will. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, how do we get you to be one of the first libertarians in Congress? Let everybody know where uh, where they can go, where they can donate, and uh, let let them uh, let them give you one, money. One of the easiest things is through our, our Facebook page. It's uh, Bull Johnson for Congress on Facebook. 
Uh, there's a little button up to, for Shop Now. Hit Shop Now, it brings you straight to our donation page. Cool. Uh, you can also come to our, our website, which is bulljohnsonforcongress.us. .us. 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 Going to have to do uh, some editing in post now. <laughs> yeah, bulljohnsonforcongress.us. Uh, they've got our contribution page there as well. Uh, and it, and uh, both of those are through PayPal. Or if you go to my web, onto the uh, Facebook page, if you go down, we have a couple donation links. That actually brings you straight to Square. So you can okay. do, donate through Square as well. Uh, even if you don't donate, please join our pages. Like our pages. One of the ways that, one of the things that are measured for our viability, how many people like our pages? How many people like our social media accounts? Uh, I'm actually talking to a couple Citrus packs in the uh, right now. And that's one of their questions. They're looking, hey, we're thinking about supporting you, but we're not going to be supporting somebody who's tilting at windmills. We need somebody who's viable. We need somebody who's, who can raise money. We need somebody who can, and you know what? We'll give you money, but you've got to have a, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a, a viable chance. Uh, and once I, I explain our situation, most of them are like, yeah, you, you got, you got that chance, but now we need to see what your money raising capabilities are like. We got to, we got to see what your local support is like. Uh, so like our page, share yes. our page, like get the news out. So everybody, uh, uh, so for everybody out there, go to uh, Bull Johnson's Bull Johnson for Congress on Facebook and hit the store button and you can donate directly from there. And also go to Bull Johnson for Congress dot us. Forget everything that I wrote prior to this. Um, <laughs> did you put Tom before? <laughs> I did. I, I, I read the website that uh, was in the notes that uh, Brian put in there. And I'll play Brian. I can't. I can't because he I checked. I just checked because I wanted to, I wanted him to be wrong. And he wasn't. He was right. I was I was wrong. And uh, I just didn't copy and paste. I just said, oh, it's got to be dot com. Um, so everybody yeah. go to bulljohnsonforcongress.us and uh, give this man money. Make him the first libertarian elected to Congress. Um, Bull, thank you so much for coming on. I oh, def- my pleasure, sir. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm going to do one last plug for our Twitter. Please. Uh, I'm just getting started on Twitter. I'm an old man type deal. So it, I've actually got an intern who's working on helping me with that. But uh, It's uh, Travis Bull John 1. T-R-A-V-I-S-B-U-L-L-J-O-H-N. The number one, Travis Bull John one one. Um, yeah, and, uh, I actually, I, I actually, t- I found you, and, found you and tweeted it today. Found you and tweeted to you today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, I, I appreciate all the help y'all guys can give us and, uh, we can do this. We can, we, I mean, we, we can we, do this. I mean, people need to understand I am not running to run. I am running to win. And I wouldn't be doing this shit. I wouldn't be pouring my own money into this if I didn't think we had a legitimate shot. And I mean, and we're we are we're putting we're th- we're putting our money where our mouth is. Uh, I mean, any help y'all can give, I'd greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are thirty-two thousand square miles, thirty-eight counties. That's a lot of county fairs. <laughs> okay, and each one of them want their one or two hundred bucks for a table. <laughs> yeah. Anything you can you can do to help us cover these tables, uh, I would very much appreciate. And if you are in Minnesota, 
please look us up. Join. Uh, we're, we're in the process of doing some affiliates out here. Uh, get in touch with me, and I'll put you in touch with somebody in your area. That is, yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody, go find this. <laughs> everybody, go out and find uh, find Travis or find Bull Johnson. Don't find Travis Johnson. You're going to get a lot of different people named Travis Johnson. I found out. Find yeah. Travis <laughs> Travis Bull John one uh, all over the place, including Twitter on Facebook um, and Bull Johnson for Congress dot us dot us people not dot com. <laughs> Uh, Help us unleash the bull on DC. Yes. Uh, if you want to hang out for a little bit, I'm going to do the closing and then I'll talk to you a little bit afterwards. Um, but again, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you more in the future and good luck on this race. I definitely, I have a good feeling that you have a shot at this. Um, thank you for having me, sir. Yeah, absolutely, sir. To everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the writer's block here on Muddy Dwyer's media. Now, Spike, I believe, is in North Carolina this weekend. Uh, so if you are going, excuse me. Uh, so if you are going to be in the North Carolina region, uh, definitely find out where he's going to be and go uh, pound the pavement with him and Brent DeRitter at Cell Liberty because uh, they are doing fantastic work over at Cell Liberty, and you should be a part of it. Um, and then on Sunday, episode number two of. Cajun Libertarian, Eskimo Libertarian from Bayous to Igloos. From Bayous to Igloos. We'll be airing at 3 o'clock Eastern. 3-ish, because, you know, it's Muddy Dwyer's Media. Um, And nothing airs on time. Um, But come and tune in for that. Then next Tuesday, tune in for Muddy Dwyer's Freedom, where Spike Cohen and I will parse through the week's events like the 2020 Wonder Boys that we are... So we will parse through the week's events like the 2020 Wonder Boys that we are. And then next Wednesday, on My Fellow Americans, Spike Cohen will have Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center on his episode, uh, which will be airing roughly about 8 o'clock. And then next Thursday, meet me right back here for the writer's block, Thursday, 8-ish Eastern, where you are going to have to tune in to find out who my guest is, because... That is how fantastic this is going to be. I'm not even going to tease it to you right now. Thank you for all that you do. Please like, please share. Follow us at anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters. You can find this in every episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. Have a wonderful and fantastic weekend. For the Writer's Block, I am Matt Wright, and you are perfect just the way you are. I am... I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's a standing the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drive. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue.
singing Hey, hey, alright, yeah, I wrote that one myself It's a standard, the lengths I'll go To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help Fuck